welcome to the Chiropractic Elders Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Lizette Botha. In this podcast, we talk to the people who have been in the profession the longest and continue to build on the legacy that they have created. And today we are speaking to someone that is actually way too young for this podcast, but I consider to be one of the one of the elders in our profession at this stage, Dr. Peter Amliger from Canada. Hi, Peter. Hi, Liz. Thanks for having me on. I really appreciate it. And thanks for acknowledging my youthfulness. I have been doing, I've been in practice 38 years. Mm-hmm. And I remember sitting, watching, you know, or sitting with, with Dr. Sid and Dr. Dee Dee. We just celebrated Dee Dee Umber's 90th birthday at the last DE Sigafoos with Clay Thompson. And, and they were in practice 38, 40, 42 years. And I, you know, I thought that was amazing. And then, oh, here I am. And it seems like it happened in the blink of an eye. So, yeah. So it's, it's kind of neat to, you know, I graduated from CMCC of all places in 1985 and, and was lucky enough to have one of my classmates. Father was a, was, his name was John Whitney and, and he was way ahead of his time really into the esoterics of healing and healing consciousness and mindfulness and whatnot. So he was really my first mentor. And then after five years practice, July of 1990, I was at my first DE where I met and, and was taught by Clay Thompson and sat with John Grostick Jr. at Clay's birthday luncheon. And I met Fred Barge and, you know, worked with, you know, was trained by Sid, hung out with Sigafus and Santo, trained under Michael Kale, trained under Virgil Crane. So I, I was blessed to really be surrounded by some of the all-time greats in our profession. And, and it was an honor to sit at their feet and learn from them. Now it's an honor to have an opportunity to share some of what they instilled in me to others. And what would you say? I guess that's a very big question. What did you learn? Well, it, and I, I believe I was principled before I met all these people and, um, but, but they really, um, and, and it really, it goes way back. I think my path started before that, back in the, in the eighties when I was training with a native elder. And that we were standing on the shore of a river in Northern Canada and we were talking and he turned to me and looked at me and said, Peter, don't take anything I give you at face value, go out and prove it or disprove it for yourself. And so I kind of adopted that attitude and, and as I studied the green books, and I think we should all learn our chiropractic philosophy from the writings of Didi and BJ Palmer. And so as I started to read the green books you know, and study universal intelligence and innate intelligence and the universal complete cycle, you know, it, it teaches us that the principle is always at work everywhere. So I said, I'm going to go out and look for the existence, the expression of this principle wherever I go. And so I've just spent the last 40 years observing the principle in action. And it's, it's really kind of been a love affair, you know, and and it just keeps showing up and it keeps showing up. And when you apply the principle in your life, it keeps producing results, whether it's over the adjusting table or getting quiet and listening to your innate. So, 
So I think of all the, you know, the, some of the people taught me to have a curiosity and a passion about technique and work towards mastering technique, which is an endless process because our principle is infinite. And, and that means there's always going to be another layer of discernment, whether it's an appreciation of the principle itself, whether it's an appreciation of your analysis, whether it's a, a distinction you make when you're clearing the subluxation as you detect it, there's always another level. And so, so I just really dedicated myself to walk a path of mastery as these people did and, and to also not just look at, at innate and, and focus on the mental impulse aspect of our philosophy, but to, to study the personality of innate. BJ wrote a lot about the personality of innate. Chuck Ridley talked a lot about the personality of innate. So did, so did Richard Santo and, and, and Sigafus as well. So <laughs> when I go for my, to get checked every Friday morning in my chiropractic, my chiropractor's office, rather, there's a there's a quote and it says, there's but, there's but one power in the universe. This power heals, it adapts you to life, and it guides your life. What happens in this room is between you and your chiropractor. What happens after that is between you and the power. And the name underneath that quote is Dr. Peter Amlinger. Oh, <laughs> so I moved, I moved, we moved towns a year and a half ago and I, and I, found a new chiropractor who happens to be a good friend of mine, but I'm like, dude, when did I say that? And he's like, I said it at the, the first pure and powerful ever or something like that. And it's been hanging in his office ever since. So it's like, can I take a picture of it? And he's like, well, you said it. <laughs> so I took the picture and I haven't done anything with it yet. <laughs> I, no, I actually did a philosophy course with Germany years ago. And I think what they taught me is that you know intelligence is not a person uh, tell me about this personality of human intelligence what does that mean well you know if you and and i think there's there there's a bit of a there's a, a couple of different camps in chiropractic and some people think innate intelligence is is simply you know universal law expressing oneself in living things, if I can really paraphrase it. But, but when you read the readings of B.J. Palmer, you know, when you read the story of that something and bigness of the fellow within, when, when, you know, you read stories in the recurring books, like Heed That Hunch or the story of Dead Still Alive and, and these other stories, it's clear that that BJ had a relationship with this innate. He called it the friend within. Dr. Sid referred to it as the friend within. Sigafus called it that we still voice. So, so it's, it's, and, and BJ said, when we're completely clear, um, our, our educated and innate thoughts are identical and we're in tune with the infinite. And he also wrote in volume 18, he said that chiropractors keep open the paths of transmission of unlimited intellectuality in God and its expression in man. So when I start looking at that, I feel like there's another layer to it. And, and I know there's another layer to it because it's proven itself to me. I wouldn't be here as a chiropractor if I hadn't listened to my innate back in the 11th grade. 
So, so it is that force within us that guides, um, guides us. And then I think the native community has expressed it beautifully, maybe even more eloquently than a lot of chiropractors. When an elder taught me, he said, uh, you were first a spirit. And I said, no, first I was a twinkle in the creator's eye. So we were first a twinkle in the creator's eye. Then we became spirit. And our physical body is an expression of that spirit. And our mind is an expression of that spirit as our, our, as our innate emotions are. So, so to me, that's the most congruent description of how innate moves through us from source in universal intelligence into us as a spirit, as an innate intelligence then manufactures our body. And I, there's a quote everyone throws around by C.S. Lewis that says, you do not have a soul, you are a soul. You have a body. And I'm like, when I brush my teeth every morning, I can't deny the fact that I'm a body and I'm a soul. So, so the minute we start to separate those two things, we're into reductionism and we're moving away from our principle. So why don't we start thinking of ourselves as spirit, mind, body or spirit, body, mind. And, and when we do so, when I do so, it inspires me to take better care of my body because knowing what I know by doing so, I'm taking better care of my spirit. I'm allowing myself to express the highest version of myself. When I, when I feed my mind, I'm feeding my body and my spirit as well. You can't separate the three. When we make an adjustment, we don't just affect the physical body. We, we, we affect that person's mind and, and, and their body and their, we allow their spirit to express itself more freely. And, and then we, we also allow the spirit that moves in and through all things to express itself more freely as well. So, so I think. Too many chiropractors think of the above down inside out concept from brain down inside out. I think we need to think about it from universal down from the inside out. And that BJ wrote a, a beautiful story called Broadcasting Station God, who said, we all have our own unique frequencies that source speaks to us through. He said, there's no middleman. And so we have to court go into the silence, court the silence and get in touch and tune in that broadcasting station, God, G-O-D. And then, and we might call that grand organizing design, but we tune into that and we take our marching orders from it and nothing else. When I think of my journey in chiropractic, um, what has changed for me there was lots of physical stuff that has changed for me, but really actually the most important thing is my consciousness. I can notice now over the years that my consciousness has changed. Like I'm aware of things that I never used to be aware of. And I think that is the most profound thing that chiropractic has done and most probably does for most people when they say under long-term chiropractic care. But that's not something that you can put on a billboard. Like we, you're going to have better consciousness from chiropractic care, you know? Because how do you describe that? Yeah. And, and it's, and, and I think what we just invite people in and, and, and my offering to be, and I agree a hundred percent with and we see people's consciousness change when, when they come into the clinic over time, as you said. And so I, 
I just invite people in and and talk to them about the bigness of of their innate intelligence. Like, it's, you know, what at the and the way I explain it is, if we want to talk about bones, it makes me a mechanic. If it if we want to talk about the nervous system, it makes us electricians. And there's nothing wrong with being a mechanic or electrician, but if we want to talk about intelligence or expression or life. Now we start to move into the realm of being a healer. And, and I struggled with this for a long period of time because I firmly believe that the power that made the body heals the body. And that's the only way it happens. And, and, and so, um, but I also appreciate that when I go into a room and start to interact with the patient and I get myself out of the way, so much, so my innate can. So I'm getting my educated mind out of the way. So my innate's working through me that magical things happen. And when you go in with a pure intention and an open heart, it raises the bar. And, 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 and so I finally figured out and realized and accepted. And I think that was my struggle. I just didn't want to accept it. But the bottom line is there, there are spiritual gifts. And, and one of the gifts of the spirit is the gift of healing, either through the word or through the touch. And I believe if you are called to be a chiropractor, you are anointed with those gifts when the creator loved you into existence. And, and so it's then our responsibility to develop those gifts, um, and, and to become, as Sigafus used to say, a hollow bone that, that source or that innate can work through to produce the magic. And, and so when I'm at my best and, and really, really feel like I'm, I'm, I, you know, I'm just not there, but time collapses, a day goes by in the blink of an eye and, and people are walking out and they're forgetting their car keys and they're forgetting their jackets. And, and, and you know, it's like, my CA say, we shouldn't let these people drive after these adjustments or just in another place, you know? And, and, and so it, so it's just something that revealed itself to me over time. And I think we need to move into that and talk about possibilities with people and, and not limit the possibilities when we start adjusting them. You know, we need to let them know that we're dealing with an infinite intelligence. And so that anything is possible, um, and, and, and we just have to be very careful with our language and how we represent things to make sure we're not limiting or that we're not trying to motivate through fear. Right. I, I observe a lot of chiropractors and, and they've declared war on the subluxation, much like medicine has declared war on germs. And, and it's not a, not a beautiful story to listen to. Whereas when we start talking to people about life and the bigness of life and what's possible for them, beautiful things start to happen. We could sit here uh, and talk for hours about the results that we've seen in our office as we, as we reconnect people to themselves and to the creator and to creation, which is, which is what I see happen in my office. That's really true. You know, so can you just, I just want to backtrack to that. How do you get your educated mind out of the way when you're adjusting? 
Well, and it's, that's a great story and the, and the, it's interesting. So for me, the, the elders that I worked with, the, the native elders talked about going into the sacred silence and Dr. Sid talked about creating space and, and, and Sigafoos talked about, you know, going into the, the fourth dimension and, and they're all talking about the same thing. So, and, and Bruce Lee, he said, we have to learn to move through life with an empty mind from a point of neutrality. And so that's a big part of it. And, and it's interesting. I gave to, I gave, we had a pure and powerful recently and, and the only thought I had in my mind going up on the platform to do my piece was this thought says the thought was your mind doesn't wear a condom and the universe doesn't use birth control. Right. And, and which is a truth. So whatever thought we think and impart to the universe and the feeling that we send it out with creates a vibration and it doesn't come back void. It will come back to us and it will manifest. That's what Sigafus and Sid tried to teach us all those years. And so, and then I, I reflected on that and went, well, that's true. But at the same time, the, the universe doesn't use a condom either. And my mind doesn't use birth control control. So whatever I'm pouring into my mind or allowing into my mind, consciously or unconsciously, is going to impregnate my mind. And it just becomes a vicious cycle. And if you're not careful, you're going to end up screwing yourself at the end of the day. We're kind of like, we're like hermaphrodites in, in that respect. So when I started to think about that, I went, well, so I have to choose my partners carefully, right? You want to be around you want to read uplifting, positive, you know, consciousness expanding materials, books, and you want to watch those sorts of movies. You want to hang around those sorts of people. And then it hit me. It's like, actually the best, the best practice would be abstinence and to have an empty mind to quiet your mind and then to go in and explore your uninvestigated thoughts, your programs. And, and start getting rid of the ones that are holding you back, that are limiting you, that are not congruent with our principles. And as you do that, you just become more and more and more empty minded. And now you're in a position where you can tune into that, that heterodyne radio set that BJ was talking about in the green book article and broadcasting station, G.O.D. And all of a sudden your messages start coming from above, down, inside out, and you're being thought through. And so that, that's the process. And for me, you know, my, we all, we all need to develop that pathway. <clears throat> Nature's a wonderful tool for me. Getting checked and, and living clear is very important for me. And then using a breath focused meditation works really, really well for me and my, and my goal I think a lot of people do these practices, um, in a, with the intention of just visiting that place within themselves, the sacred silence. Whereas I, I, I've adopted this, these disciplines because my intention is to, to live from this place more often than not, and just be quiet minded and thoughtless. And, and it's, we chuckle about it all the time. My wife constantly ask me, we're just driving in the car or having dinner or, 
doing something and she'll say, okay, so right now what, what thought is in your mind? And I can honestly look at her about 90% of the time and say, you know what? There's literally not a conscious thought in my mind right now. I was just being present. And I had a, a doc from Australia actually observing in my clinic last week. And he, you know, after the second shift, I think he, he's like, I'm just amazed at how present you are all the time. And, and that's just, an, that's just the result of 38 years of, of courting the silence. Yeah. And there was a time where I was working overtime, trying to be on purpose. The buzzword was be on purpose. So I spent every waking minute reading something or affirming something or, or writing a goal down or, or actively visualizing. And, and one day, literally I looked at my dog and I said, that damn dog doesn't do one thing ever to prepare himself to be a dog. He just is. And so things changed for me after there. And it's just, I'm just going to be, I want to just work to be an expression of my innate. And, and, and so, so then I just, I still read grain books, but not out of a sense of duty. It's because I love studying them. I still meditate. I still do affirmations. I still set intentions, but I do it in an, in an inner guided way. So it's, it's, whereas for years. I was affirming goals that other people had put into my head and I was chasing goals that other people thought were good for me. They weren't really the goals that the creator had in mind for me. And, and, and then I just let go of all that and started to become more and more interdirected and here we are. Yeah. So, I mean, and, and it, Stu and I did a workshop, uh, Stu Bittman and I before Pure and Powerful and, and, you know, we literally, in our invitation out, said, um, there is no agenda because we don't have an agenda. And so people are saying, well, what are we going to do? I'm like, we don't know, but we know it's going to be perfect and it's going to be right. It's going to be just what you need. And, and, and we trusted it and, and it was for everyone who attended. So, and it's, it's, some people say, man, that's like. I don't know. It's, it's, and it's just their programming coming in. People say, well, that's kind of irresponsible, isn't it? It's like, no, it's actually quite liberating and it's trusting. You know, how can we, if you, if you're planning on spending 12 hours or a day and a half with people and you pre plan everything, how can you possibly know what their needs are before they come together as a group? Yeah. But yeah, that's very good. So if you, I remember years ago talking to us about what you do before you go into a shift, what do you do to prepare? What practical things do you do? So, so now I, I still practice full time and, and I have about an hour long commute to my office. We, my Tracy and I moved to a small town. We just got tired of having a million and a half neighbors. So. You know, and, and, well, so I'll tell you the story because it's the story that just before the pandemic. So in November of 2019, Tracy was out driving in her car and she had a massive panic attack and like a paralyzing panic attack. And it's so much so that she called her mom and her, her mom 
came and got me, took me to Tracy and I drove her home because she couldn't drive her car. And we had downsized into a condo. So she was, she was in such a state and, and, and massive anxiousness followed it. So she couldn't leave our condo even to take the garbage down. She was just, and I, and I believe what happened, she's a very in tune individual. And I feel like her innate felt what was coming down the pipe and it just blew her circuitry. And so, so we just handled it the way we handled it. We kept her checked and adjusted. We meditated, we prayed and, and she got through it and she got better. And, and then the pandemic hit and, and we were quite locked down up in Canada here as you all were down there. And when finally, when I said, let's just go to a different location this weekend so we can at least stare at a different wall, you know, and we did. And we happened to meet a chiro- my present chiropractor, Steve, and his wife for dinner. And, and we were leaving Stratford, our new town. And Tracy was born in Northern Ireland and came to Canada when she was 11. And the only place she really feels grounded is when she's back in Northern Ireland. And, and we were leaving Stratford and she said, you know, it sounds weird, but I feel the same way here as I do when I'm back home. So we tested the hypothesis a couple of times and we went back. She went back with her daughter. She went back with her sister and the feeling stuck. So I came home from the office one day and she said, you know what? I think I want to move to Stratford. And I said, well, you know, the only place, the only two places I love in Mississauga are my office and my Taekwondo Dojang. So let's do it. So we sold our condo in a day over asking and, and then we closed on that three weeks later, we lived with her folks for a little bit. We found a house in Stratford and it's been fantastic. It's been transformative for Tracy and it gives me an hour commute where I just, I don't do phone calls. I just, I either listen to good audible books or podcasts or I drive in silence or I listen to uplifting music and I get to my office. I get up early at like 4.15, 4.30. I've always been an early riser. I drive to the office and then I, I meditate and I do some movement, get my physical body ready. I read a green book for a bit and, and then I do some adjusting drills on my speeder board and whatnot to get ready for the day and, and we open the doors at 8 o'clock and, and take care of the people. And so... So for me, in that meditation space, that's where I just go into the sacred silence and sit um, in, in that space where all spirits live. So in that space, we're all connected. And, and that's the place I practice from. And, and so it's just a, a breath-focused meditation I've been doing for 40 years, taught to me by a Native elder. Wow. That's amazing. And what a day way to start the day. Well, Peter, we've run out of time. Huh. Imagine that. I've got one more question for you, though. And this is from my, this is from listening to you speak all those years ago, Kari, you're a, you said love isn't the opposite of hate. What is love really? 
So, and, and I wish I had said that, Liz, but it was Nelson Mandela. Yeah, I actually, I, I read the part on the Facebook page, but yeah. could you talk about the idea of that? Yes. So, so it's interesting when we look at, um, so if you look at the definition of universal intelligence in Stevenson's chiropractic textbook, um, it, it, in article 49, step one of the universal complete cycle, it says that universal intelligence has existed always. It's indefinitely superior. It's infinite. It is and how it always has been very intelligent. Being very intelligent means it's never made a mistake. Having never made a mistake means it's God. And then it says, check Webster's dictionary for a definition of God. And so, so universal intelligence is God. And, and not in a religious context, but just in an, it's the source that moves in and through all things, the great mystery as our, as our native elders taught us to call it. And, and but when you go to other sources, you know, if you, and I'm, I'm a Bible guy. So if I just look in the Bible the you know, it talks about God being light and life and love. So to me, those words are all synonymous. And so, so love is, is the most pure, brilliant, highest vibrational energy that exists, unconditional love, agape love. And, and so really it is the source of everything. And because we are subunits of source separate from yet not separate from, according to Stevenson's, we too are love. And, and so when. Years and back in 1990, when I was doing a experiential weekend with a group of, of people, a group of chiropractors, and, and we did an exercise and I got a message that took a long time to come through, but the message was straight from source and it said, Peter, learn to love yourself the way I love you and then teach others to do the same. And so that's my path and chiropractic is my vehicle and the principle of chiropractic so congruent with that. It's such a, such a whole principle and it, and it frustrates me. I have to say when I, I, when I see people trying to change terms out and whatnot, you know, it's like you can call it whatever you want, whatever this, you know, the flavor of the month is, whether it's dysregulated or whatever but you're subluxated. And when you're subluxated, you're partly separated from source. And therefore you can't express any of your potential. You can't express your, your, your spiritual potential, your academic potential, your athletic potential, your creative potential, your human potential. You can't express unconditional love if you're partially separated from source. And so what the, what the chiropractic adjustment does is it reconnects us to ourselves, to our innate, which then reconnects us to source and then to everything that source is, is in, which is everything. So it, it makes us whole and it connects us to all of creation. So we can become a cell in the body of humanity and take our place in the grand design. And that's the bigness of what we do for people. We don't have to teach that to people. It's not part of our doctor's report, but that's the consciousness we should be checking and adjusting people from and, and never, never try to shrink 
chiropractic down in your mind or in your thought process and try your best not to do it in your, in your communication of the principle as well. Talk about possibilities and, and, you know, be, be that person, lead by example, walk the walk and, and, and be loved. And, and so a great inventory question to ask yourself every day is, do I love enough? And the answer is always, I could do a little better, which isn't, you know, we don't beat ourselves up over it, but you just know that you can't outgive source. So you can always love a little better, a little more, a little cleaner. You, there's always another layer of judgment you can peel off or limiting beliefs you can peel off, peel off or, or whatever it might be, another blind spot you can you can become in tune to and clear out. And, and so the work goes on forever, but it's a hell of a lot of fun doing the work. Yeah. Well, we'll see. Thanks, Peter. The, you share so much information and wisdom with us again today. And I hope what? that whoever listens to this podcast will um, take that forth and, you know, change their lives. That is my wish too. And if anyone needs any help, they can track me down and I'm happy to help them. They can track you down. What would you say best? Facebook? Yeah, I'm not so uh, adept at social media. So Facebook's probably the best way. Okay. Excellent. And I'm just going to say thank you to everyone for listening. Um, if you love what you listen to, please share it with your friends. Follow us on Facebook, Instagram. And listen to us on Spotify and Apple. And yeah, thank you, Peter. Thank you for having me, Liz. It's been a blast. Yeah.